everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Health and Wellness Happy Hour podcast, the show where I give you health and wellness tidbits to transform your life. My name is Jada Lovick. I'm your host, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, we have a little bit of a different type of episode. I'm so grateful to welcome our very first guest onto the show. Her name is Linda Buitrigo. A little bit about Linda. At age 26, she suffered from cystic acne, and doctor after doctor failed to answer why the acne came raging back whenever she stopped taking the antibiotics they prescribed to her. After being offered an even more toxic solution, she walked away from conventional medicine to seek her own answers. She cured her acne and helped family members get healthy and ultimately returned to school to earn her Master of Science degree in human nutrition from the University of Bridgeport. She also completed postgraduate studies in functional medicine with some of its top practitioners. Her clinical experience led her to focus on thyroid, hormone, and autoimmune health, and today she helps women and a growing number of men with thyroid issues to finally solve their thyroid problems in a holistic way. Please welcome Linda Buitrigo. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the Health and Wellness Happy Hour podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, doing well, Jada. Thanks so much for having me today. Yes, thank you so much. All right, so I'm going to start a tradition off on the show. Can you tell me three things that you're grateful for? Oh, three things that I am yes. grateful for. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, my loving husband, I'm grateful for him, my family, and gosh, there's just so much. But yeah. uh, I, I am grateful for all the new people that I'm meeting as I get out and um, just spread the word about good health. And I'm meeting a lot of uh, interesting people and a lot of people I can help and a lot of people who have loved ones I can help too. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Yes, I'm excited for you. I'm definitely, you know, I definitely can relate to that. All right. So today um, we are going to be talking about functional medicine um, as it relates to the thyroid specifically. So we do have a lot of great information coming up. So I'm super excited about that. All right, so to start things off, can you tell me what functional medicine is exactly? Well, functional medicine approaches uh, medicine and health differently than conventional. Uh, conventional medicine tends to look at symptoms and look at things kind of in an isolated mechanical way. If you have a heart problem, they're looking at the cardiovascular system. If you have a hormone problem, they might be looking at actually where your symptom is arising rather than the endocrine system as a whole. Right. Um, and, and there tends to be pharmaceutical approaches to essentially covering up those symptoms, you know, I hate to say. Uh, yeah. Whereas in functional medicine, we are looking beyond the symptoms, looking at symptoms really as clues to something deeper and finding the root causes of what is truly happening beneath, beneath the surface of a chronic disease or some sort of chronic condition that you might have so that one, we can make permanent change and we're not just covering up symptoms. And it is a deeper, more holistic change in your body that would even lead to some other health benefits that you might not have expected out of, out of the functional treatment. Uh, we're really looking for root causes and permanent change. That's awesome. That's awesome. We can definitely relate to that. Um, I know a lot of times, especially in this day and age, you know, things are happening to our bodies and we're kind of like, oh, where did this come from? Because it's so much more prevalent now than it was, you know, 50 years or even 20 years ago. 
So very true. Okay, so since you are a thyroid specialist in particular, can you please explain what the thyroid is and what it does? Yeah, of course, I'd love to. So the thyroid gland sits behind the Adam's apple about here, and it's a butterfly-shaped gland, and it plays a huge role in our metabolism and our production of energy. And just to make this really basic, um, it creates a hormone called T4, and if you've paid much attention to your blood labs that you regularly get done, T4 is something that your doctor typically measures. And T4 is about 97% of what's produced by this little gland here. And thyroid hormone is used by the cells to help produce energy. Cells actually have a little receptor for thyroid hormone all over it. And without sufficient thyroid hormone, you will be low in energy. Uh, the caveat being here, though, remember I said 97% of what's being produced from the gland is called T4. Right. But you can't use T4 directly. T4 is an inactive form of thyroid hormone. So it's up to your body to convert it into T3. And sometimes you'll see T3 measured on a lab. It should always be on a lab, but uh, often it's not. And T3 is the active form that your cells can actually use, the active form of thyroid hormone. And so it's very important to understand how much of that T4 is being converted into T3 because, again, uh, thyroid hormone is just so critical to our energy production and our metabolism overall. Right. Okay. And that makes complete sense. I know a lot of people who may struggle with their weight, um, you know, for years and years and years come to find out that they actually have hypothyroidism. So that completely makes sense. Right. That's awesome. Thank you so much for explaining that. So I know we talked about kind of how it's common to just treat the surface of our bodies today, like in conventional medicine, um, and kind of just treat the disease process itself. But if we're going deeper than that, what are a couple of things that you think that your doctor may not be aware of regarding your thyroid? Yeah, great question. Thank you. Um, and there are really differing uh, schools of thought, different viewpoints, I think, between conventional and functional. Um, with conventional, again, they're covering up symptoms. You know, you come in, you have a low TSH, which is another hormone that's typically measured. And based on the TSH number, that's thyroid stimulating hormone, and T4, then typically a doctor will make a judgment as to whether you are hypothyroid or, or hyperthyroid for that matter, and, and do a treatment. However, what I see a lot is people who they come into the doctor, they're feeling less than 100% or, or downright crappy in some, in some instances, right? And the doctor just keeps telling them year after year, you know, your labs are fine, you're good, just take a vacation. And, and it's a mystery to them, you know, why are they feeling so bad? But as we dig deeper into those things that, that the doctors uh, most are unaware of, then we learn something new. So number one is that there is that incomplete testing. We need to know not just T4 and TSH, but we need to know about T3, how much of that active hormone is there. We yeah. need to know how much reverse T3 is there. And you can think of reverse T3 as anti-T3, which can literally block the action of your active thyroid hormone. That's typically not measured. And it's typically elevated 
in most of us because most of us are under some kind of chronic stress, whether yeah. that's mental, emotional stress, whether that's, um, you know, even a low-lying chronic infection, just different things are going on where a lot of us have an elevated reverse T3. Um, and then there are a few other markers. I think the most important being thyroid antibodies. And this ties into the fact that um, I think a lot of conventional medicine just hasn't caught up with the times and doesn't understand that the nature of thyroid disease has changed dramatically in this century. You know, mm -hmm. the century, we're only 19 years into the century, but right. a lot has changed. And if your doctor went to school in the 80s and the 90s, their textbook said that Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and this is the autoimmune form of hypothyroidism, was extremely rare. So their textbook said that it happened less than 1% of the time. Fast forward to 2019, this number is about 95%. Yeah. So that's a tremendous shift. And if your doctor is still back in the 80s, 90s textbook days thinking that that's a very rare condition to look for, then you are likely not getting the correct treatment for that. That said, the treatment doesn't typically change in conventional medicine, oddly enough. So even for the, doc, the docs who do test for antibodies, they often just continue to give you the Synthroid or the Armour if they're a little more naturally minded um, and leave it at that and kind of tinker with the dosage. It often goes up or down uh, in Hashimoto's and it can be hard to pin down that right dosage. But that really is a classic indicator of, of autoimmunity because yeah. uh, the immune system can have flare-ups and it can have calm times and it really depends when was that test done as to what result will come out so it's really tough to correctly have that dosage correct for you every single day so you would have right. to be tested every single day yeah. um, but it comes down to autoimmunity that is what has changed and a big part of that autoimmune issue is our environment. And I think I'm getting to this a little quicker than, than I wanted to, but, yeah. but it comes down to three triggers of autoimmunity. So one big trigger of autoimmunity is food sensitivities. And you know, if you've been in following like natural health, you may have heard of leaky gut. So food sensitivities often lead to leaky gut, leaky gut, can lead to autoimmunity in itself. Right. Uh, and that's due to undigested proteins. You know, food particles, they get broken down into proteins, and then those proteins enter the bloodstream too soon because those proteins are really supposed to be broken down further into amino acids before they go into your blood. But with a leaky gut, we get these larger particles, the proteins that go in, and then your body tends to think of those as something foreign to attack. And this is one root of autoimmunity. Um, so that's one issue. Of course, then we can get into, uh, is it truly a food sensitivity or is it because of chemicals that are now in our food? Right, because you know what I've noticed? noticed? Yeah, so I've definitely noticed, um, you know, I'm a critical care registered nurse. So I was working in my adult care unit last night into this morning since I do night shift. And I have three patients. Two out of my three patients actually required Synthroid. I'm finding that most of the time I go there, I'm giving Synthroid out to my patients. I'm wondering if it's 
I'm wondering if it's due to, you know, as we age, like we start having more thyroid problems or if it's just like you said, like our environment, like food sensitivity. So that's something I've always been really, really interested in because I work on a pediatric unit and I don't see it as much. Like, I mean, we're not giving it out like, like it's not so prevalent. So that's, I don't know. That's something I noted. Uh, you know, it can play a role, but, but I really don't believe in, oh, you're just getting older as a diagnosis for anything. Yeah. Uh, but as we get older, we've accumulated more toxins. There's been more damage done to our tissues. So the likelihood of something going wrong is certainly higher. Mm-hmm. So, so in that sense, you could blame age in a, in a roundabout way, I think. Um, but if, I think if we were in a totally pure, clean environment, like we were meant to be in, I think, uh, there would be a lot less wear and tear, a lot less disease going on, certainly. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but in our day and age, yeah, it's, um, I guess age goes hand in hand with just having taken in so many toxins and, and having had to deal with those. Yeah. So, so that's one issue though, is the food either sensitivity or really the pollution of our food as well. And another main trigger of autoimmunity is chronic infections. And we tend to be more susceptible to these infections the more toxic overload we have. Yeah. So that's another aspect of it. What are some things we can do to try to combat, you know, these things? Is there anything we can do? There is. So, um, and then before I get into that, there is a third trigger, and that ah, okay. is our EMF environment. So the electromagnetic fields from things like our cell phones, like our Wi-Fi, our smart meters, all the smart devices that, that you might have in your home. And I'm not anti-tech. Obviously, this is how we're talking to each other right now, and, and it does yeah. wonderful things. But we need to learn to use it more responsibly. So I'll start backwards. I'll start with that that EMF environment. So start by not sleeping with this thing next to you. Yeah, your cell phone, guys, your cell phone. The cell phone. Don't sleep with a cell phone next to you, especially not charging. That even adds more radiation to the mix uh, from the electricity. Have it as far away as possible. Uh, I know it's not possible always to put it in airplane mode because we need to be available for work, Mm -hmm. but um, at least be able to have it about 15 feet or 20 feet away. Yeah. So, you know, keep that away. Also, another simple thing to do is to turn off your Wi-Fi at night. And sometimes your Wi-Fi router, that can only be done through software or it can um, be a setting that is hard to find. But, you know, it can be always, always as simple as unplugging that Wi-Fi router at night. I'm plugging it back in in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, And that will do a lot towards giving you a healing sleep. And I would challenge everyone here listening to do a three nights test. Just do these two things. Unplug the Wi-Fi at night, get the cell phone out of your room or turn it off. And really anything electronic, get it out of the bedroom and try this for three nights and see if you sleep better. Yeah. And I think you will. Interesting. Okay. All right. I will definitely give that a try. I encourage everybody out there to give it a try as well. Yeah. Okay. So what else can we do? Yeah. So going backwards, we were talking about the the food sensitivities and the chronic infections. So 
chronic infections are fortunately they're pretty prevalent. Um, yeah. You know, we've I think a lot of people have heard about Epstein Barr being around. Um, that can play a role in in thyroid health. Um, but more prevalent are some other things like uh, parasites are out there, believe it or not. You don't have to go to some foreign exotic country and eat weird things that are raw to, to get parasites. Unfortunately, yeah. we can do this uh, at our local salad bar, uh, at the shopping cart. Um, I don't know about where you live, but uh, here in California, a lot of people are bringing their dogs to stores and they sit them in the little seat in the yeah. shopping cart. I noticed that when I went to California. Goodness yeah. gracious, I love my dog too, but he's way too big for any of that. So, right, right, and uh, you know, it's not the most hygienic thing. So, yeah. really, um, from anyone though, because even people walk around with maybe little very trace microscopic amounts of fecal material still in their hands. You know, I yeah. can say, but it's true. And that can be on the shopping cart handle and someone might have roundworm, for example, and you get an egg and you inadvertently scratch your ear or rub your eye and yeah, and there you go. It's that easy. And I don't want to gross people out, but it is far <laughs> more prevalent than you imagine. It's far more prevalent, again, than conventional medicine understands. And I think those of us in the functional area see it more often. We're testing for it. We're acknowledging that it really is a, a root of a lot of misdiagnoses out there. And it's relatively simple to fix. So, you know, I do see it quite a lot. Uh, people are not super happy with the news on one hand because, it, you know, it's disgusting to think that you yeah. have a parasite. Right. On the other hand, what a relief to, to see that finally something is making a difference. And it's something that someone else hadn't found before. So you know, just taking care, I guess, uh, avoiding salad bars is a good thing. <laughs> that would yeah. be one simple thing to do. Make sure that you're washing your produce really thoroughly. Uh, one thing I like to do is uh, after I wash with a veggie wash, you know, my lettuce or whatever, um, I'll do a final rinse that includes grapefruit seed extract. So it's a liquid okay. that you can just put a, a couple of drops or a few drops in the container and let it soak, and, and that's pretty helpful as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I know it's a little off the wall if, it, if you just know about the regular conventional medicine, but, but it's so prevalent out there. And then yeah. finally, those food sensitivities. Um, I can't, well, I can tell you, I mean, I'd say about 80% of the people I work with do have some level of gluten sensitivity. And again, we could debate about whether it's really the gluten itself or is it the Roundup that tends to be in the wheat these days. Right. Roundup is that herbicide that uh, is pretty controversial for good reason. You know, it, it is uh, a likely carcinogen. At least it's been acknowledged as such here in California. And it certainly has been in other countries. And uh, I think that perhaps does more damage to the gut is more responsible for creating leaky gut than even the gluten itself. But it's best to avoid all gluten if you suspect you have an autoimmune issue. Dairy is also right up there. So that would be one of the first things I would have someone remove or start to remove. Yeah. And, and those two right there are, are responsible for a lot of, of food sensitivities that people have. Uh, obviously, we want to go below that and find out 
why are those food sensitivities there? So often it's, it's a result of some of the other things that we talked about. Overexposure to EMFs is one, one reason why someone could have leaky gut or it contributes to leaky gut. And certainly if someone has a parasite or some other chronic infection, say a bacterial or viral infection, that can also contribute to leaky gut. And that all comes around again to exacerbating the autoimmunity. Yeah. So this is where everything ties together. Um, you can see where we really can't look at just a gland in isolation and understand what's going on because really the entire body uh, works together, preferably in harmony, but often there, there's something out of tune. Yeah. And I think that's the thing I definitely can appreciate about functional medicine is that you are looking at the person as a whole not just, you know, the disease process. And if you are looking at the disease process, you're digging deeper, you know, you're finding out like, oh, why is this? And you're actually, and that's what leads you to actually like treating the actual person as a whole. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so, so much, Linda. I've learned a lot today and I hope everybody else does too. Where can we find you? You can find me on my website at cleanbalancedwellness.com. All one word, of course, cleanbalancedwellness.com. And on there, uh, near the bottom of the page, you can also find my Facebook page. And that gets updated, uh, I think, more often than anything these days. Yes. And yeah. And you'll be able to uh, sign up for email there as well. And I do have a report called Six Things to Avoid for a Healthy Thyroid that's available there. Okay. And yeah, so that'll give you a little bit more in depth about some specific toxins that, that you don't want to have in your home if you want a healthy thyroid. A lot of these are endocrine disruptors, in other words, hormone disruptors. Right. So staying away from these things you know, really makes a difference. And I am available to work with people across the country virtually, you know, like this on, on yeah. Zoom and similar platforms. And I would love to talk with everyone. All right. I'm sure they would love to talk to you. You're so knowledgeable. All right. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Jada. I appreciated your time here. Please remember that this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional. I'm simply here to educate and empower you on health and wellness topics that commonly affect us. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise program, as well as any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. I wish you all the very best. And remember, when you know better, you do better. Once again, let's toast to health and happiness. And thanks for tuning in to the Health and Wellness Happy Hour podcast.